Well, my, my guest today is Mark Marks, who is the founder of Healing in the Streets, and I'll let Mark talk about that. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ABBA Podcast with John McDonnell. You can send comments and questions on Twitter at ABBA Podcast. You can also keep in touch through the Facebook page, the ABBA Podcast with John McDonald. Hello, my name is Mark Marks, and I am the leading founder of Healing on the Streets, which was established in Coleraine in Easter of 2005. And we simply uh, lay out chairs and a banner that says healing. We invite people to come, we kneel at their feet, and we minister the love, the presence, and the power of God to them. So we see many, many people healed. And this is an amazing, gentle, and simple uh, model of ministry for anyone. And we invite you to come and take a look and to come and partner with us. Here's your host, John McDonald. Mark, welcome to the ABBA podcast. It's great to have you. Well, thanks for inviting me, John. It's good to be here. Uh, you're well. Family's well in the midst of all of this craziness. Yes, we're all well. And in fact, maybe you didn't know this, John, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be a grandfather. So uh, I'm we're, we're so excited. Sadly, we can't be over. They, they live in California. And sadly, we can't be there. We would love to be there, but you know. I love California. Uh, yeah, I miss. Oh, I, it, yeah. I miss not being able to go over there during this. I know, but it's one of the benefits of having you know family member living over there. You can go and visit. And which part? As an excuse, which part? Um, your Belinda, which is Anaheim. Oh uh, yeah. Especially yeah. with, um, with Alan and Catherine. Alan and Catherine, yeah. Oh yeah. cool. So oh, that's neat. Yeah, I've been over there and seen Alan a couple of times. Have you? Yeah, well, wow, yeah. it's amazing. So awesome. you might have. Um, but yeah, our family are good. Linda's wow. good, you know, and boys are good. And uh, we're, we're doing well. We're, we're, you know, we're not surviving. We're thriving. We're trying to thrive awesome. in, this, in this period, especially this lockdown we're having right awesome. now. But. Now, Mark, you're, you're based in Northern Ireland, but mm. to those of our listeners with keen ears, that doesn't sound like a Northern Irish accent you have. That, that's how, how did that happen that, that this Englishman bases himself in Northern Ireland? Very good question. Very good question. It depends on how far back you want to go. But um, actually, I was born in Cape Town, ah. South Africa. I don't know if you knew that. I, I immigrated know, actually, to no, I just I just knew you from down, from down south. Yeah, I, I, I emigrated to... Um, uh, to England in the 60s. Believe it, I'm, I'm actually older uh, than some people say I look. But, um, and uh, so just, just over, I don't know how many years now, 22 years and 22 years or more, we um, felt the call to come to Northern Ireland. We were living in London. Uh, I was, um, working as an evangelist in the church in Westminster, uh, the Emmanuel Evangelical Church, and felt the call to come to Northern Ireland, uh, specifically to Coleraine, what's where we're living right now. And um, so we made that move. We, we upped and left just in, in hearing the, the Lord's voice in obedience. And it was like coming out of revival into, into the wilderness because... Who knows where Coleraine is? I mean, where is that? I mean, come on, they didn't even have a Starbucks until no, we, did, we didn't. years ago. <laughs> we, did, we didn't, we didn't. And uh, 
we didn't we we do but now we haven't so it it, it went I, i'm not sure because of the, the uh, anyway so um so yeah so i've been here we've been based here uh over these years and it's been amazing yeah i i suppose because i travel so much i haven't picked up that's about our boys who were very young when we came over um they all picked up they all picked up uh, an, an, an accent. And of course, depending on the friends that they had, they had different accents. It's quite funny, actually. Must have been quite a culture shock for you from London, not just from coming over from oh. the mainland, but coming from London itself to Coleraine. You know? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I, I mean, um, I, you know, to, be, to be totally honest, I, I wasn't, I'm wanting to follow Jesus and the danger is when you say to the Lord, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Lord, even, you know, because I'm, I'm saying this in the midst of like having like incredible revival, you know, uh, a mountaintop experience. Say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And if you want to send me to, to a place where nobody knows and, you know, to, to only a few people, you know, then I'll go, Lord, and, and of course he takes you at your, at your word, you know. <laughs> and then I go and I'm like totally miserable when I get here oh. because it's not as I want. I said, what, Lord, what am I doing here, you know? But God was dealing with my heart. And there was a lot he had to deal with before, before he could use me in a way he wanted to use me. So he had to deal with my pride and, you know, I mean, I, um, the church that helped me move over here kindly, uh, they, they helped you know, choose the house that we were renting, which um, anyway, it was an unfurnished rented accommodation. So they provided furniture and there was a, there was a settee that they gave me that they sent someone. And I, I presume it was a farmer, but, <laughs> but, but when I say, I, I should forget any farmers listening, please forgive me. But, but this is how God dealt with my heart. And I remember, and I was so grumpy, you know, I was like really grumpy and, so why have you brought us here you know in the middle of nowhere and it's it's cold it's freezing i mean it was in august and it was like i had to put a log fire on it was like and i uh and this this settee you know i sat in the settee and uh it it was like this plume of like green dust came up it smelled as if a cow had been had been living on it you know oh, no. and a spring came up through the settee and into uh, my breath, my backside into the breath, the jeans, the only good pair of jeans that I had ripping it. And that's how God began to deal with, with, <laughs> with me in that way. And he began to deal. And, um, and so, yeah, so, so it was a, it was a whole dealing, you know, uh, over a six and a half year period being in a wilderness. Um, but during that time I met with Alan and Catherine, I had, I had to find a place that I could call home to, to find a place where I knew that God wanted me to go to. And, and it was the vineyard that, that uh, Alan Catherine had planted at the time. Strangely enough, we landed, I don't know if you know this, John, but we landed um, in Coleraine or in Northern Ireland on the same day. Alan and Catherine. Yeah, no. Yeah, they, they landed there to wow. plant the church and we landed. But we didn't actually connect with them until maybe just, it's under a year yeah. of us being there. And then we found the vineyard when they were up. Isn't that amazing? We God, you know, he brings you from London, he brings them from Glasgow. I know. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. 
so um so yes yeah, so, so it was it was a real change but god was dealing i mean everything was different like the pace of life was different yeah and I'm, i was used to driving in london you know how god had to deal with me with my driving <laughs> yeah so I'd come I to a roundabout and find there's a lane on the right hand side and it's completely free you know so I pull out into that lane, you know, and it was like, I couldn't believe there's a lane, the lane free there, you know, and people were, the whole thing about giving way, where in London, it was like, you have to, you have to push your way in if you want to get anywhere. So little things like that, people acknowledging you in the street when they're, they're kind of, they walk by and had this kind of. Yeah, they don't even know you. <laughs> you know, and I would, I kind of look behind me and going, <laughs> you know so it's a whole a whole load of things and of course there's the language as well and some places i went to and i was you know on the streets like in lawn i think well, one time i went to lawn you know sharing jesus on the streets with with passers-by and i remember one man came up to me and began to speak and honestly the only word i understood that came out of his mouth was bicycle and i have no idea where that word came into into the conversation <laughs> And the rest of the time, I couldn't understand. I remember when we first moved over and we were so hungry, Linda and I and our, children, our young children, we needed to get something to eat. So we went to McDonald's and I went to make the order and I couldn't understand a word that the, the person serving me was saying. And I had to, really a culture shock. The language is different. Everything is, is so different. Yeah. Uh, wow. How, how did you, I mean, you talked about sharing Jesus on the streets and you were an evangelist in London, but how did you get into faith? and get into that kind of ministry, Mark? Well, yeah, I, um, so just a little bit about my story. I, um, I went to art college and it was at art college. I also have a, um, you know, a design background and uh -huh. actually I, I'm a qualified graphic designer, but actually my profession was, was actually as an interior decorating specialist. So I would decorate oh. the homes of, of very wealthy people. That's what I did when I, when I came out of, eventually came out of college. But it was at college I met a friend called Paul who um, we, none of us were believers and we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have done, got into. And, but, you know, my, my life I, I was pretty broken and um, Paul had encountered Jesus and wanted me to, wanted to introduce Jesus to me. So he thought the best way of doing that was to invite me to the church where he found Jesus. And I really didn't want to go. Didn't <laughs> want to I had hair back in those days, believe it or not, over, you know, well over 30, 30 plus years and uh, long hair down, down my back. In other words, it's all gone. I think it's just the Lord going, well done, well done. And my hair's all gone. <laughs> That's what, it's, what it is. I'm not sure. But, um, and I, I dressed quite pretty, you know, weird kind of way, very artistic way. Buoyant. Yes, flamboyant. And, and I, and I uh, you know, I really couldn't see how, um, I, I think my initial thought when Paul invited me to church was, I would feel uncomfortable. I already felt, I felt uncomfortable. Um, I felt uncomfortable with him asking only because of the image that I had of church. Mm. The image of the head of church was we had such polar opposites. Here I am looking the way I am with my long hair, my Swiss army leather jacket, 
you know, and um, I just thought there's, you know, we, we, I'm going to feel so uncomfortable. And being an introvert and being shy as well is just didn't help. But he was, anyway, he was so persistent that eventually I said, okay, I'll go, but on one condition that we go half an hour early. And um, because my, cra my crazy reasoning was who would go to church early anyway? And, the, you know, it's got to be the most boring place on earth. So <laughs> and if I went there early, there'd be nobody there. I could slip in, hide behind a pillar because I thought every church building had pillars. <laughs> and, and then I could, and then Paul stopped pestering me because he kept asking and asking, you know, these people are so persistent. I know these blooming Christians. Yeah, I know they just don't <laughs> give up. And he just wouldn't go. He kept asking me all the time. And I thought, oh, the only, only way I'm going to shut him up now is, is to go. And then I said, look, Paul, I've been, all right? So don't have to ask me again. I've been. I know what it's like. So he said, okay, I'll come pick you up on Sunday. But what he neglected to tell me was one that uh, this church building um, doesn't have church, uh, doesn't have pillars. So there's nowhere for me to hide. And secondly, the Christians there were so passionate about Jesus that they would meet like an hour before the service starts. And they <laughs> stand. I've never about 32 different nationalities, right? So you imagine this, and they're full of people, and they're standing there and they're worshiping God. There wasn't the, there wasn't a band playing. They were worshiping God of all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. And I thought. And it like hit me with a wave. I thought, what on earth is going on? And then, you know, I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, and, um, but I began to sense something inside of me. And then my face was wet. Tears were flowing down my eyes. I went to the side of the, side of the, the building as far away as I could from most people. There's an old, you know, because I, I couldn't hide anywhere. And, uh, but it was an, it was an old building um the architect that built it with old 1930s type of cinema seating you know and it was fixed flip flip with wooden uh, wooden seats um cinema style and all i remember was putting my head to the back of this wooden seat and while i listened to these love songs that the the uh these followers of jesus were singing and my head was like super glued there couldn't move and and um eventually in the meeting started and it ended and I was able to prize my head from the back of the seat there was a pool of tears between my feet and I and I just said to myself what on earth just happened I, I've got to, I've got to this I've got to discover and it was over a two-week period I went to every single meeting because it was something that awakened inside of me and I realized actually God was had been calling me and then it was two weeks later um on a Tuesday night I remember it was a uh, under the ministry, so I find it so funny, of, of an Anglican um, uh, a vicar. Well, actually, it was a, sorry, it was a Church of England vicar with a ministry of healing and, de and deliverance mm -hmm. who, who led me to Jesus because his daughter was actually going to that church. And that's how I came to know Jesus. And my, um, my journey began from there I mean, because he had a signs and wonders ministry. Um, I mean, I gave, my, I gave my heart to Jesus. I ended up on the floor. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly that um, I've been grieving for my father since the age of four and I'll grieve no more. And with that, a huge weight lifted off me. And that was a journey of learning to walk with Jesus in the power of the spirit. And, and every day was, 
was a day full of wonder for me yeah. and Jesus revealing himself and the goodness of God and, uh, and that I can trust the father because I couldn't trust anyone. I had come to a place where I, where I'd lost faith in, in people and trust in people. I couldn't trust anyone. And my, my greatest fear, oops, I don't have my Bible here. Anyway, if I have an imaginary Bible here, sorry, sorry, folks. I wasn't in a hurry this morning. Um, my imaginary Bible here that uh, the promises that God was making to me in this, in his word was, was so frightening to me because I thought, because he's making promises. I mean, I can see, I can hear the Lord making promises to me personally. Wow. And where I couldn't trust, and I had to make a decision. I either, you know, trust the Lord, trust what he says. Uh, I had to make a decision to do that. Mm. But I was afraid because I thought if, if his word isn't true, then I'm truly lost. I'm really lost. Wow. If I wasn't lost before, then I really am lost now. Totally lost. Wow. I'm doomed. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, I, so, I said, so I said to God, Lord, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, I make this decision to trust you, to trust your word. Wow. And, and, but I said, I said this, and this came out of a heart of fear. I said, but if this word isn't true, I will tear it up. I will throw it in the dustbin and I will tell everyone that this is a lie. It's a figment of imagination. And wow. uh, that's it. But, but God is so gracious. And he knew that came out of a, a place of such insecurity you know, yeah. um, and that's how he, he got to prove himself to me every single day. Wow, that's awesome, Mark. Yeah, that must have been really strange, like being on your face. And how did you know it was God that was saying to you, You've been grieving and you'll grieve no more? Because that must have been like really surprising for you coming from your background to God speaking. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. So so, so what happened was, I mean, I, mean, I, I was, it was, um, yeah, so I, I had this encounter. I'm, I have just opened my heart up to Jesus. I've invited, I've repented. I repented of all my sin before God. And um, it was actually, if you want to know who, it was Trevor and Anne Deering. And I actually was Anne. Oh, yes. And do you know Trevor Deering? And I know who they are, yeah. Well, well it, it, was, it was their ministry I got saved under. And it was Anne who led me to Jesus. In fact, she actually did, she just, it's a bit of a long story. I won't go into it, but she just spoke in tongues. That's all I'm going to say. She spoke <laughs> in tongues. And I'm thinking, what is this? I mean, she's not even speaking to me in English. You know, what's going on here? Uh, uh, and I, I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just here to, to say I'm sorry. And if there's anything that I've made a mess of my life, and if there's anything that you can do with it, I give it to you unreservedly. And I'm sorry, God, for all the things that I've done in the past that, that has, you know, that's been against you. And, and so, and, and truly from my heart, I unreservedly gave my life to Jesus. So what happened then I fell under the power of the spirit. So I can say, I'm on the ground and I'm in this in between here and there. And I don't know where mm. in between is, but I think it's, I, you would call it the thin place. I would call it the thin yeah. place right now. And to hear God so clearly was like in a number of ways. It was partly audible. 
It was a sense, a knowing, a feeling. It was using all of my senses, spirit, soul, emotions, wow. heart, mind, and body to hear him. And it's a, it's a, I mean, it's impossible to communicate like that, you know, in the natural. So it's very difficult to say, I don't, I don't always have those kind of, I don't always hear like that from God. It was, but that was the very beginning. Yeah. And he wanted to make it very clear to me. And so in that way I knew, but then I knew what I knew that I'd heard because the next moment this incredible weight lifted off. It was like a ton of bricks that I've been carrying wow. had been lifted off me. That's incredible. Because we because we've never I mean, when I, when I became, the day I became a believer, I heard the Lord speak to me. Um, and again, like you, I'm, I'm like, I, I knew it was him and it, it was real and it was all of my senses. But that was overwhelming for me because I grew up, God's not involved in your life. God doesn't speak. God, and suddenly there's this being telling me, um, John, this is, this is the way for you. Yeah, that just blew, I mean, it must have blown your mind in, in some oh, aspects. Oh, it, it blew my mind. But not only that, I, I had the revelation that God had been with me since I was a child, since I was the age of four. Wow. That's since cool. I could remember. And that, and that moments and milestones, markers in my life, I could see looking back. But in that moment of just having a picture and a revelation that God was with me at all of those moments in time. And he was always trying to point me to himself. Yeah. Like experiencing his presence when I was a, believe it or not, I'm a choir, I was a choir boy. I went to boarding school, right? I was a choir boy, wore a rough and everything. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, I can't sing Soprano. to save my life. <laughs> I can't sing to save my life, but it was like one of the things because you'd get, you get, you know, if you, if you sung at weddings, you get paid. So it was like, a really good <laughs> you know, it was, it was great. So I, I, but in, I remember being in a, in a church in Waldron in Sussex, you know, because uh, uh, I went to, I went to boarding school in Heathfield. And um, I, I remember being dressed up as a choir boy, but the real ruffles and everything, and the garments, everything like that. And being in a vestry, ready to book and sensing God's presence, but not knowing it was God's presence. I, I, I physically could sense God's presence, but not, not realize it was God's presence. But it was, a mar it was like so significant for me, the little experiences like that. Yeah. And so all the way through my life, you know, I've had these moments where God was there. He intervened or an angel intervened and he was, he was leading me to this point. Well, you know, well. obviously he didn't want me to come to the, to the, such a, a broken place, but, yeah. Yeah. but it needed me to be so broken, I think, to, to look up to God. Yeah, no, I get, I totally get that. I get that. And then you became one of those annoying people like Paul. <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah that's right that's right i mean what can you do what what can you do you know i mean i mean i you know honestly when i had that when i had that experience every day was a, a day of wonder as i said a day of wonder for me a signs and wonder signs that point to jesus and make you wonder but um 
I would, because I, because I was so hungry to know God, to know him, relationship is, you know, relationship is so important that I did everything I could to know more about God. Um, but most importantly, I would read my Bible hmm. till, because to two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, until my eyes were like popping out of my head, you know, and I was like, I couldn't, well, I couldn't get my eyes open any longer. And uh, I fall asleep and <laughs> wake up finding my, my Bible on my pillow. And I pick the Bible up and continue reading in the morning. That was so, so hungry and wow. being so excited in, in um, reading about what Jesus did, captivated and excited and that, that the Bible says he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil and, and, and how he how, the way that he healed the sick and then, um, he, you know, giving authority to disciples to do the same thing and realizing that it wasn't, wasn't just Jesus, but also the commission is for each one of us to, to go and do the works of Jesus, the very things that he did. So wanting to, and so wanting to please God, there's some things that he, that he said, you know, and so the, the very things that he said were the things that I really pressed into. Yeah. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. <laughs> I said, I must be faith-filled. <laughs> I must be faith-filled, you know. You know, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to make you known everywhere that I go. I'm going to tell everybody about you, you know. Uh, Wow. Who so, will go for us? Who can I send? And I'm looking around and I go, and Lord says, yeah, you'll do. And I just, so, you know, the Lord, the Lord takes me out. And if you follow Jesus, if you're following him, sometimes he takes you to places that you don't want to go to. And true. being an introvert and being a shy introvert, the last place I want to go to is on the streets in the pub. <laughs> Especially in London. In London. No but, one even but, looks at you in the streets, never mind listens to you. But that's it. But if you're following Jesus, you know, so what I did was I nailed my introversion. I nailed my shyness to the altar. So today, Lord, I will not be shy. I will not be introvert. Oh. I would see, I remember being in, I remember being in, in uh, Leicester Square in London and um, seeing, um, now actually it was, sorry, it was Piccadilly, Piccadilly in London. And I and I saw a, a guy, a young guy, and he was preaching with such boldness and such conviction. And I, because um, I'm so hungry to, to follow Jesus, I'm going, this guy is full of the boldness of God. So when he finished, I went up to him and says, hey, I said, love what you're doing. He says, do you, do you see many people uh, healed? Do you pray for the sick? He goes, no, I don't. I says, hey, tell you what please pray for me that I have your boldness and I'll pray for you that, that uh, you'll get an anointing for, he for, for healing. So he prayed for me for boldness, right? And I prayed for him for, for anointing because we have to share it. You have to share it around. Uh, and that's, so I just needed the boldness of God and to summon up courage despite my fear to step out and I would go out and I would do this stuff on the streets and uh, everywhere that I went. So you, were, you, you prayed for him for healing and, and stuff. So were you already beginning to see people healed then, Mark, and, and seeing miracles starting to happen? Yeah, so, um, 
So one of the things that, that's very clear is that healing is for today. And, and a, a lot of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to, uh, to pray for the sick as well as tell people about Jesus. And the gospel is not just proclamation, it's demonstration. So you saw so, healing as part of the work of an evangelist? So I, I saw healing very much part of uh, the work of an evangelist. I felt God, you're calling me as an evangelist. It's very clear. Acts, so I love, you know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The Bible says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Christ there. Uh, when the people heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he had to say. So with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, many cripples and paralytics were healed. And there was great joy in the city. I thought, that's it. So I got I to gotta stop. You know, he, I can see him ministering to the sick. They're going, oh, there is what's going on here you know how is this possible and they want to know why this is possible and he it gives him uh the permission to to speak to them mm. so so my my thinking was if i can if i can minister healing to people which is a beautiful beautiful way of showing god's love yeah it's god's love in action it's god's heart to heal the sick people are more likely to to hear what he wants to say to them. Uh -huh. And so that's what I did. So I started to, to pray for the sick and um, didn't always see the sick healed straight away. But, you know, this is God's word. And I, and I put my trust in Jesus and, his, and what he said. And I said, well, Lord, my experience right at this moment in time is not matching up to your word but but it's not your word that's at fault it's my experience or my understanding of your word something's faulty something that that's you know and i don't i don't understand it but i'm still going to press in and believe and then it began and, and it's almost like god was was seeing how serious that i was you know and I kept pressing. And then I began to see people being here more and more and more mm. and, and more amazing things happening, you know, in, in this journey. Um, mm. Incredible things happening. Wow. That's awesome. And so did you carry that on when you moved eventually to Northern Ireland? So, yeah, so I, um, my, my frustration um, I think my, my main frustration before, before God called me to Northern Ireland, and this is, I think, why he called me to Northern Ireland, was because I, my heart was to, uh, as I said, I'm following Jesus. And he, um, and he says in, in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations and teach them everything that I've commanded you. And what did Jesus command the disciples to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, cleanse those, preach good news to the poor. So, so, so I, um, I wanted to teach, I wanted to equip the church, but I really didn't know how to do this mm -hmm. effectively. So I could only teach what I'd been taught. And um, so when we, 
when I, when I was being taught how to do, uh, to reach out to those on the streets, for example, you know, there were things like I was doing, uh, I learned this different forms of evangelism, like the sketchboard. sketchboard. And, oh, yeah. Remember the sketchboard? Oh. Yeah, I do. I re remember doing that at Bible school. Yeah, sketchboard. Uh, that, uh, you know, you use different tracks and um, there was, you know, sh sharing a testimony, which is, which is always good, of course. Um, the street preaching, but, but there was things like um, drama. Yeah. Drama. You know, and I, I always make this joke about, I remember being this drama sketch that we did called the chicken sketch. I don't know if you, you know, know you've ever heard of that. Oh my goodness. Well, part, part of this sketch, um, you have to be a chicken. Like, so there's a team of 20 of you. And part of the sketch, when you're doing it on the street, in full view of hundreds of people, maybe thousands, um, that you are literally running around like a chicken. <laughs> And so I'm taught this, I was, this, and I thought to myself, Lord, if this is the way that I'm going <laughs> to connect the brokenness of our streets with the, with the love of your heart, and they're going to come to know you, then I'm going to be the best chicken in the street ever. So I'd run and go, and I, you know, I remember being in, in Sandwell, Sandwell and Dudley. Oh, was it Sandwell and Dudley? Yes, it's Sandwell and Dudley. That's right. I was there. You know, Birmingham is a yeah, yeah. Birmingham up in the Midlands. That's right, it's the Midlands. Yeah. So I was, I was somewhere there. I was there, and you know, thousands of people walking by, and we're being these chickens, and you can almost hear people, you know, hear what they're thinking. They're looking kind of embarrassed for us. Yeah. And one saying to another. Don't look at them poor things. Don't make it any worse than it already is for them. You know, they're, they're suffering, you know, just, just, you know, poor. Uh, and I'm going, bop, 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 and I'm thinking, Lord, there's got to be a better way. And uh, so, so I, you know, I, I said to Tim, guys, I, I need to have a walk and a talk with the Lord. So I remember going and uh, for a long walk where I poured out my complaint, Lord, I can't, keep being a chicken <laughs> i can't keep being a chicken god there's got to be a better way somehow you know being a chicken doesn't match up with what i'm reading in your word this is definitely something that's not matching up i just, god i just need to find a different a better way of doing this you know and i and eventually i i walked right to the end of town and there i saw this monument to john wesley mm -hmm. and and there was an inscription on it and um I remember reading somewhere that, you know, it says like John Wesley preached from a horse box yeah. and the glory of God fell. I, it, this monument was a fist holding a cross. They've actually moved it now from the end of town somewhere to the middle of town, I believe. Right. Oh, wow. So they, they have moved it. But, but um, and I said, God, thank you. I need, uh, we need your glory to fall again today, God. And that's, that's where um, I went back and, Actually, that's where I began to, to press into signs and wonders on the streets. The problem was, and healing, the problem, the problem was I, could, I didn't know how to teach the church to do this. Mm. I stepped into something out of obedience and praying for the sick, but I really didn't know how to teach it. So my frustration was that, that uh, you know, we would go to different places around the UK, ministering out in different towns and cities on the streets, seeing God doing 
the most incredible things. I mean, signs and wonders, bodies flying through the air, you know, I mean, just absolute um, heavenly chaos. That's all I can say it was like. The kingdom of God coming. When the kingdom comes, sometimes it can look like chaos, but, but amazing things are happening. Amazing things happening. These are signs and wonders, you know. Um, and I, I saw all of this and it was like John, John, Wimber, uh, John Arnett saying that, you know, like um, people's when everything was kicking off at Toronto and uh, saying, you know, people saying this is ridiculous. Everything should be in decent and in order. And John's and John said, well, which order do you want? The order of the cemetery or the order of the kindergarten? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's exactly what I was seeing. I was seeing this. It was incredible. I said, God, if only the church could come out and, and engage you this. What we, this is the, the, the tip of something in, in wonderful, incredible. We need to be out here. And the problem was that I was stepping into something which, which requires faith. Mm. I mean, I would take a, a, a small amplifier out and a, speak, and a, and a microphone and I would share about God's love. I would minister. I would pray. I would share the gospel. I would make an invitation for people to come for prayer. And as they would come for prayer, I mean, in front of everyone, I would say, I would ask them, if Jesus Christ was to heal you right now, would you honor God by testifying publicly that, that he's healed you? And they, they would say, yes. And I said, great. I pray for them. They would discover they were healed, give them the microphone. And they would testify, which is draw a bigger crowd. And we would see literally, you know, many, many people healed in that way. Um, the problem was, and, and it was an incredible moment, but people couldn't step into that once I'd left because mm. I couldn't teach it. And when I left a church uh, where I've been wanting to teach and encourage, they, they couldn't follow that. There's no way they could follow it. So my frustration. And then, of course, what happens is when you can't get the church to get out into the streets, you start having healing meetings or meetings inside the building yeah. where, where those outside are very unlikely, like myself, who like, there's no way I'm going in there. You know, I've got long hair and I look like a, <laughs> a weirdo. You know, there's no way they're going to accept me, you know. So, um, uh, so, so we'd have healing meetings inside and the only people that would come, I mean, nine. 99% of the people will come with Christians and my, and my, my stomach would, would churn. And I would go, oh God, you know, um, I desperately want to reach those outside. I really want to teach and equip the church to reach it, but I don't know how. And it's, and it's at that point, I think God heard the cry of my heart and sent me to Northern Ireland. And that's how I got to come here because when I came here, the Lord said to me, now lay everything down. So that signs and wonders ministry, public ministry I had, I laid it down. It was making me look amazing. <laughs> God made me look great. You know what I mean? It was like, did you see what Mark just did there? You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah. in this day and age, you would have been fantastic on YouTube and it would look, would look amazing and everything like that. But it would make my heart churn, that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I have no desire to be, you know, a celebrity figure in front of anything. But I wanted to equip the church. And the Lord says, now you lay that down. I'm going to do a new thing. And it took six and a half years. Now, this is the whole period of time where God was dealing with my character. I didn't realize it took that long, Mark. Six and a half years. I laid, I laid everything down. And um, that's why I said I was grumpy. You know, I sat, sat in that, <laughs> on that settee with 
this green dust coming off a plume of dust. It was falling to pieces. Smelt smelt like a cow being living on it. And the spring coming up my back spider, you know, and then and God dealing with everything that would that you know uh, every, every part of me. And 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 I'm going. And eventually, I came to places said, God, I'm sorry if I've if I've misheard you. You know, but I don't know why I'm here. But if I've misheard you, Lord, I, I'm only wanting to follow you. I'm only wanting to do what what you want. Lord, and, and if I've misheard you and I've taken the wrong step, show me, show me what to do. And I'll go back. I'll go back to back on, back on track, but I just need your assurance. And, and boy, did God give me the assurance um, that I was in the right place. Mm. And, and it was in, in, in an incredible way that God confirmed to me and assured me that I was there, that, that this whole process was needed in my life. And I said, Lord, I'll, so six and a half years, I became a, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm an artist. I decorate the homes of very wealthy people. I ended up selling double glazed, a double glazed window salesman. <laughs> now, I don't know what, <laughs> I just got to tell you, you know, I've grown up knowing that about hearing about the dodgy. The jo- all the jokes about the double glazing. All the jokes about the dodgy yeah. double glazing window salesman. Obviously, I think maybe in America, that's a, that's a good thing to be, like a, a window salesman. But uh, in the UK, the UK, oh, no, no, no. So I'm thinking, oh, no. This, I end up being a double glazing salesman, a window salesman. And I thought, God, either you have a sense of humor or I've blown this big time. And I remember seeing the church, and it wasn't in, it wasn't in, um, uh, the uh, ccv because i hadn't i didn't know about the vineyard then but i was i was in a church trying to work linda and i were trying to find a place that we could call home a place of worship and a family and community and in the midst of this meeting i was crying out to god i brought out a bible that was presented to me as a gift like years previously um when I when I'd made a visit to Northern Ireland uh, to come on a mission to do a mission there, wow. and I was given I was presented a Bible, and so I'm I'm in this meeting I'm crying out to God God have I blown I'm sorry I, I I you know my heart is to follow you, and for some reason uh, after all those years I'd never taken this Bible out of its box because I'd already had an old Bible I was using and. But for some reason, on this particular Sunday, I took this Bible out, out of the box. It had never been taken out before because I, I just took the lid and I opened up the first few pages. So that's a beautiful Bible. I'll use that one day and I close it. <laughs> and then on this particular Sunday, I took the Bible out. And I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even listen to the message that was being preached. And I thought, because so I, I was praying to the Lord, I said, look, I, I've, I've got to listen to this message. Maybe, maybe Lord, you'll speak to me in it somewhere. So I took, I opened the Bible up first time, really to open it up. And inside there's a photograph that I never knew was in there. I hadn't seen before. I had, had come here to Northern Ireland to Coleraine on a mission to conduct a mission here in Coleraine. And it was the end of the mission but behind me, behind us, in the photograph, was the company I was working for as a double glazing salesman. And I went, because I was asking the Lord, Lord, do you either have a sense of humor? I've just, I'm working as a double glazing salesman. I'm not a double glazing salesman, Lord. You know? 
and I see this photograph. That's crazy. And I nudged Linda, show her the photograph, close the Bible, say, right, thank you, Lord. We're on. <laughs> That's all I needed. We, Linda, I mean, did she just start laughing or something? She did, yeah. We just, I mean, she was already there. She already knew that God was dealing with me. Anyway. It's just that, you know, on our journey with God, we need those assurances and surely he'll give it to you if you ask him. Mm. And, and just to know that even when you, you can't see the bigger picture, I just thought I'm in a tunnel as a dark tunnel here. I just don't know where I'm going, but there's light at the end there. And every so often along the journey, God will encourage you. And God, God encouraged me. And from that, I realized six and a half years, uh, I mean, a double, and there was a purpose in being a double glazing salesman. I mean, for me, it was incredible apart from selling windows <laughs> and knowing everything about windows. I saw people healed as I sold windows. It was amazing. I saw miracles. I saw God doing incredible things. And although I'd laid down the public side of my ministry, my personal ministry still continued. And um, so it was at the end of that six and a half years. And I, now, I'm, now I'm with uh, Vineyard there, uh, Cos of Coast Vineyard. And um, seeing that church grow um, and being part of that from the beginning was just wonderful. Um, but God, God began to give me a vision of, of how I could teach the church um, in a way that I could teach the church that they could run with it and not, you know... Uh, because sometimes we're so fickle in the things. It's this the, the latest fad, okay? Okay, now where's that gone? You know, that, and everyone's. This is this is. We're all doing this now. It's fantastic. But you know, six months down the road, where is it? It's gone. We're on to the new thing. And we need stability. We need we need to to persevere on, on a path and have faith that that where you're going and what you're doing is going to produce fruit because sometimes it takes time to build relationships, to, to, it, to affect uh, your, your town with God's presence. It takes time to do all of this, but we need to be persistent. You know, we need persistence. We need to learn persistence and resilience. And even in the face of discouragement, we need to learn to, to stand firm. Mm. until the signs and the wonders start to break out and so it was through that time six and a half years that god showed me and then he said i'm going to do a new thing and healing on the streets was birth so that's how we you know we, we i got to this to this point of um being able to produce a simple model of ministry that's yeah. you know I'm sure you well, you know about, about well well that's how we got to know one another, isn't it? Because yes, it is. You came over here to Glasgow. Well, yes. I'm not in Glasgow now, but you came over to Glasgow when I was pastoring, and and you took us out. You did some yeah. training in the church. You took us out, and and we ran with that. We for about a year or so, sort of handed it on to another church. Yeah. But um, yeah, we saw incredible stuff. You know, yeah. and one one of the guys who was part of our team, he became a believer just around that time, just before you had come to our church. And so he thought this was normal Christianity, <laughs> healing and miracles. That's and, right. Yeah, you know. Fantastic. That's great. Well, that, that's right. And so, you know, for, for, those, for those listening and watching this, if you don't know what healing on the streets is, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a simple model, but, but it consists of a banner, 
that says healing a five foot three meter high banner about a meter wide it says healing it's massive you'd be blind not to be able to see a banner like that and and, if, and i always say if you can't see that banner then come and sit on one of our chairs we will pray for you for your healing <laughs> and so we have chairs that we lay out we stretch them out with about a six foot space in between each chair so that a group of people between two or three people who would kneel around the chair as someone comes to sit on the chair for prayer so we invite people to sit on the chair so we we stretch the chairs out we have the banner in the middle that says healing we have these flyers we hand out that um basically are, are, are letting people know that god loves them can heal them an invitation to come to come and take a seat where some of the team will pray for them and it won't cost them anything very very simple model we kneel to pray and then the posture the posture of kneeling is the posture of our heart before God and it's a posture that maybe a lot not a lot of people would know because how how can people how are people I'm going to talk those who don't know Jesus those who would never step into the church building how would they know what the church is like because my you know the only thing I learned about Christianity um, as I grew up was what I saw on television mm. and back in those days um I mean, the media didn't portray Christianity in a, such a good light. I mean, there were... The best you know, like, songs of praise. Yeah, the, songs of, the songs of praise, yeah. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, I, would, I, I think I would die. I would die in a meeting like that, you know. Yeah. But, then, but then you'd have, you know, these caricatures of Christians. And they were like these, these like, like uh, weak, insipid, you know... Um, or hypocrites. Yeah, or hypocrites. Yeah, you know, um, weak people. And um, actually, when you actually get to know Christians, true Christianity, true followers of Jesus, you know that, you know, how wrong that all is. And so, um, and sometimes we can seem arrogant. The church can seem arrogant that like we have all the answers and yeah. you don't, you know, those who don't know Jesus, you, you on the outside, you have no idea and you're ignorant. Uh, we, and we can tend to create a them and us kind of situation. <clears throat> yes. Instead of inclusive. That's right. Like we're, all, so, we're all part of the human race. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so once, once it's the posture of our hearts is when we're kneeling, washing the feet of our community, just as Jesus washed the feet of his wow. disciples, we're washing the feet of our community and saying, yeah. you know, we love you. God loves you because God loves you. We loves you. We love you also. And we're here to serve you. So we're, we're serving our community in this way. Mm. And the way, the way of ministry is gentle. So there's gentleness, you know, in our approach, uh, we're not preaching at people. We will share Jesus, but we're not preaching at them. Um, there's gentleness, there's peace, there's a, there's a sense of God's peace, a sense of God's presence, which is so powerful. The, the presence of God is so vitally important for this ministry. And there's love and compassion, of course, and love is above all things. Whether a person comes and uh, knows or doesn't know Jesus, is healed or isn't healed at that moment in time, that at least they must know that God loves that person with all of his heart. And that they're precious to him. Well, that's one of the things I noticed when when we took up healing on the streets. That even if people weren't visibly healed at that point when we prayed for them, they spoke a lot about the peace they felt, the warmth they felt, the the comfort they experienced. 
Yeah. You know, so it wasn't just the physical healing, but there was lots of stuff going on inside people's yes. hearts as well. Yeah. Yes. It was a, it's amazing. So we, so, so that's the, the model. And, and of course it spread and it, it grew. Um, we've been, we've been running. So from Easter 2005, we have been uh, running healing streets right up until the pandemic when there was the, the instructions that we couldn't meet and, and this will, you know, we, we just couldn't do this on the streets. So, so for 15 years, every Saturday we were to be found outside of Coleraine town hall doing this. Um, and, and this ministry has spread all over the world. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's become, you know, like a movement of uh, uh, as far away as Tasmania, you know, it's incredible. Um, and that, but, that's one of the things I love, Mark, the fact that you haven't made it the Mark Marks show. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, but yeah. but you've enabled churches to take ownership of of ministering to their communities. Uh, and none of the community will ever know who Mark Marks is. Exactly. I, I, I love that, um, that method that, like you say, it's equip, move, that's they're right. equipped. They're they're running with it. They're doing they're it right. now. They're seeing the stuff happening, and they're owning actually Own what's it. happening in their community. And I think that's something that struck me. It's about the local community owning it, rather that's, than always having to call in the big name. Yeah, that, that's so true, John. You know, um, it, this this ministry isn't about celebrities or superstars. You know, everyone wants that superstar spotlight status, yeah. which isn't healthy. You know, there are people who are going to be at the front and that, that's important as well. They have an important role, role to play. But, but, you know, there's different parts of the body and some are going to be totally hidden as important as those that are, that are exposed at the front. But um, and I, with this ministry, it's about, it's about yeah. you know, it's humility and it's about a, a body ministry that we're working together. It's not an individual. It's that in that in what we're doing actually so when you see if you see healing on the streets you see people kneeling you see the ministry you see what's going on that in in that corporate ministry you actually see jesus Mm. that there you visibly see jesus at work because it's something different a whole posture um just the way that we're ministering the the presence the power of god people getting healed people coming opening their hearts up to know jesus is wonderful you know yeah i think I think, I mean, obviously that's what that six and a half years was all about, was bringing you to that place where, where you didn't have to be the celebrity, if you like. That's, that's right, um, yes. And I know, I know there was a little bit of you that, 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 there's a bit of you that doesn't like that anyway, just as a, yeah. a, a your natural um, personality. But I love the fact that, you know, I, I saw you in, in a Coleraine centre doing Heal in the Streets, you came here to Glasgow. I went up to Inverness with you. We did there. And, and what I liked was strangers could come there and not know who was leading it. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't obvious that, hey, this is the guy. And I loved that because it, it's, it is much more community. It is more collegiate. It's, it's, it's a team. It's, it's a community. It's not just the evangelists coming in for an event. That's, that's right. Uh, right. I really, I really like that aspect of it, Mark. And and I kind of see because you know I, I really, I honestly feel the Lord had given me this model, and it's not about the model. It's not about models. Yeah. We know God can heal without a banner and chairs. We know that these are just 
these are just the props of the ministry. But, but I, I just could see the genius in this, um, that it, it would enable the church to have something that every week, they did, for a start, you have to invest in it. You invest, you've got a band, you've got chairs. But now you have something that draws people together in, in, a, in a place that you say, this is what we're doing. And um, so it helps facilitate. I mean, and it's, it's basically just stepping stones for the church to step out, in, out of the building. We, we need to get the church out <laughs> to start getting them outside and amongst the people, you know. Um, um, and my prayer is one day there's no more healing on the streets in, in a sense of this model, but that every believer is walking like Jesus walked. That he, you know, I, I just love, when people ask me about models and different ways, I say, well, Jesus is our model. He, being fully God, has laid aside his majesty and he's, he's saying to his disciples, come follow me, come and see the way that I do life. And you can do what I do by doing this. And he demonstrated total uh, liberation out of intimacy with the father that he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He's just, you know, he's always wanting to, I'm thinking he's, he's homesick. He wants to be close to the father. He wants to breathe in the pure oxygen of heaven. He's left, he's left pure perfection an unpolluted, perfect, beautiful, pristine, place where he is the lord of lords the king of kings into a polluted stench-filled world sin-filled world mm. that he loves he loves the people who are in this in this place and he comes to rescue them but that he's showing the relationship with the father that he wants to be close to the father that everything that he has because he's he's not doing this as god he's doing this as a human in relationship with the father that everything that he needs he has to he he receives from the father oh. and he comes out of the, the presence of the father clothed of compassion filled of love filled of um filled with the holy spirit led by the holy spirit empowered by the holy spirit and everywhere he went uh, the way he ministered was fluid and creative where he, when he, when we talk about healing um so creative in the way that he ministered healing because of what he carried, his authority, what was in him, the power that was flowing out of him because of where he'd been and out of relationship. He went there from relationship, came out with power. Yeah. And that's how we should all be. We, we should all be like Jesus is coming out of the presence of the father and influencing, impacting uh, the world that we live in with, with his love, with his presence, with his power. And bring God's kingdom into that place, you know, the reality of God's kingdom into that place. That, that's really my dream. But we have to help the church. So the work of an evangelist is to equip the church mm. for service. If we can get the church out of the building and with a mindset of this is how we can do it. And once they're out and you let them loose and to be salt and light, you know, then that's it. There's no stopping them. Once they taste and see how good the Lord is, and that then there's no he's no going back. So the, so Healing Streets is a, was a way of getting the church out of the building. It's amazing that churches from all streams, all denominations um, were joined together, come together. And, and, and the great, yeah, the brilliance of it was that because there was a specific model. Yeah. And one of the things I liked, and you mentioned it quite a bit there about Jesus' intimacy with his father. Yes. One of the things I, I, I noticed about, about this ministry, you all, that you kind of spoke, you all spoke of it as a kind of overflow of the father's love for people. Yes. You know, I mean, can you 
you expand that a little bit? Because it's something that, that, that caught my attention with you when you talked about that, that, about this is what the Father's doing and, and we're following Jesus in it. And so can you expand a wee bit on that, Mark? Yeah. So if this, this is what, I, this is what I, I see this, I hear this, I feel this, you know, I feel this, that I feel that the love of the father towards each one of us and he loves you so much that he, uh, he embraces you mm. and he hugs you close and the, the everlasting arms of the father come around each one of us and he's embracing us. But, but as he's doing that, his eyes are gazing longingly out of the window onto the streets, into the broken places, mm. into the, the hurting places with people who are far away from him, who aren't being uh, experiencing this embrace, yeah. are away from him and are going to sleep at night weeping, crying out to God they don't know. Mm. And... And he's longing for them to be brought into the fold. And that's where his heart beats. His heart beats out there on the streets into those broken places. And when we can connect with the heartbeat of God, we come alive. I mean, the church comes alive. And, and God is love. And I, one, the one thing I know is that God will, will go to any lengths, will go to any lengths to to rescue us and to rescue our loved ones. Yeah. And God is God's showing me his heart for people, you know, and I'll, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Maybe I, you know, I don't know if it's going to answer your question, but I just want to illustrate oh. something where God is showing me how God is showing me his heart, his love for people. Mm. And, um, so, I'll tell you the story about John. He's, he's a man called John. He, he started, in the early days of healing on the streets, he would um, come out onto the streets and he would, uh, we would see him kind of like hovering around us. All right? He was just hovering on the outskirts. And so, I, so we obviously approached him and said, hey, would you, would you like some prayer? And he said, no, no, I, I'm okay, thanks. But would it be okay if I just hung around? We said, sure, you can hang around. So um, he hung around for a long time. In fact, he hung around for a whole year. Uh-huh. Right? Every Saturday he would turn up. We found out his name was John. He was uh, from a, a motorbike club. In fact, he led this moment. He was quite an influence in this club. He actually led this club. But he was drawn to healing on the streets and i think it was because of god's presence that he was experiencing his presence and he just and he just sat there by the side and he watched and i remember that um whenever we brought out you know when there was a a quiet time we brought out tea and you know brought out tea and biscuits we made tea and, and bits and biscuits and coffee and we'd offer him a drink and discovered that he only liked good quality coffee so um good man so we, so we made yeah you know you know what it's like yeah good so we made sure we had good quality coffee for john and then the only actually like the biscuits the cookies that came out of mark suspensers and we had a mark suspenser <laughs> so we made sure we made sure we had good quality coffee and these uh chocolate chip cookies from uh marks and sparks 
And so, um, and, and you know, we got to know him. We got to, you know, we we're looking forward to seeing. Him. And he would, he would just say, and he'd just watch. He wasn't, a, he, he wasn't a Christian at the time, but he just watched. He was there. And I remember, I, I'll never forget this day. It was because in the early days, I was the one that was setting everything up. I had to make sure all the equipment was in the back of the car. I had to set up early Saturday morning. You know, make sure everything was ready. And it would be, it was raining, it was damp. So I had my waterproof gear on and I was in this, this morning I was in a hurry and I had these, um, remember these bin liners, um, had these, uh, pedal bin liners. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So on a reel. So I, I pulled off a bag because what I, what I would do is when it's raining, cause we had a speaker playing music. Um, I would put the bag over the speaker so that it would keep it from, you know, it would waterproof it. But I pulled off one, two, three bags came off in my hand. You know, I need one bag, but I pulled three off. And, you know, it's like in that moment, I'm, I'm in a hurry, and I'm, but I'm thinking, why do I need three bags? I only need one bag. You know, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. But I stuffed all three bags in my pocket and I went out onto the streets. We set up chairs. We started we start to pray. Chairs start to fill up. On my left-hand side was a paranoid schizophrenic who was hooked on marijuana and i thought it's the worst combination ever so the, the guys are praying for him i thought lord you're amazing you know we're praying for this this person here and to my right there was a young guy with tourettes you know the way he would suddenly expletives, expletives would start coming out to my right and that that was going on and i said lord can it get any can it get any better than this you know <laughs> and then i see this man in his um late 40s walk, walking towards me and john he was in an absolute mess in a complete state and so the only way i could describe that was he was just to describe his condition he was covered from head to foot in dried vomit so that'll give you an idea and he was making a beeline towards me he came and he sat in the chair. I knelt down beside him. And um, he began to share with me that, that um, he, had, he had, lost his, uh, had lost his wife, he'd lost his children, he'd lost his home, he'd lost his business. And the only thing left to lose, which he didn't, we were saying, was his life. Mm. and inside his he opened his jacket and he pulled out a bottle of pachin which is this uh, at the time illegal um drink made from distilled um potato peel it's like rocket fuel it would literally turn you blind if you drink it it's like it is so powerful but inside the bottle it wasn't pure it looked like he'd vomited actually inside the bottle as well it was it was it was gross. My, my heart, my heart went out to this man. He said to me, "I, I can't talk to anyone, but I know that I can talk to you." Okay, so I began to to tell this man how much God loved him. I began to. That's one of the things we do at Healing on the Streets. We begin to share God's love towards that person. But as I was sharing God's love towards him and I'm close to him, and my hand's on him like this. He goes to warn me, but his warning comes too late, and he vomits, and it goes all over me. Oh, no. And it's on the floor, 
and the the stench of this is like my stomach is going and he, this poor man is so apologetic because he 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 wants to warm me but actually it's too late and, and so i i realized why well, i had two other bags in my pocket i gave it to him and he begins to fill them and we have wow. um we have like um cases in the back you know plastic cases for for every eventuality and i and i got kitchen rolls and kind of so i'm wiping the sick off myself and off him and off the floor people are walking by and they're sticking nose up in the air because of the sight and you know i and I, john i tell people we have the best healing on the streets team anywhere in the world there's scattered teams all over the world the best and i'm looking over my shoulder for for some support and they scattered to the four winds i said this is <laughs> They looked at me and said, this is yours, Mark. This is all yours, you know. <laughs> but standing there, two feet away behind me was John. Mm. And he'd been watching and listening to everything I've been saying, everything I've been doing. He'd watched everything. Mm. And then eventually when this poor man had finished throwing up in the bag and I disposed of it and um, I knelt down, back down beside him. And I said to him, hey, it's okay. Nothing has changed. God loves you with all of his heart. And I began to pray for me. He puts his arm around my neck like this. And I, there was a slop of sick on his arm, which I'd missed. And it went around the back of my neck, you know, as he did that. And I went, oh. And all I could do was pray my best prayer. And eventually finishing, he, he got up and he left. And the rain came and again and, and washed away the last traces of sick on the floor. And eventually when I got home, Linda said to me, Mark, what is that stench? What is that smell? It's, it's, it's disgusting. And, you know, in that moment, God gave me the deepest revelation of his love mm. for myself and for people. And he said, he said, Mark, um, you know, because we, we don't, we, we don't fully understand how sin affects God. And it's like, it's like a stench to his nostrils and um that it, it is so repulsive to him um and like the stench of of this this vomit something that's so repulsive but yet jesus came and showing me that, it, that in the depths of my sin the stench and the filth uh, that he came into that willingly and he put his arms deep into the muck and the mess and and he rescued me and then god spoke to my heart and he said this mark this is what it's going to take if you want to reach those outside this building are you willing to love the unlovable the ones that you know maybe you'd cross on the other side of the road to avoid hmm. would you would you love them unconditionally would you embrace those who um who whose shame is so visible would, would you would you cover and hide their shame with the father's love with my love and would you um go hands and knees into their mess to help them clear it up and oh. i put my hand up and said yes lord yes lord i'm willing to do that and this was a deep revelation the next the next day on the sunday who do you think turned up in church john did oh. and it's the first time he'd ever stepped into into church he gave his yes to Jesus. He surrendered his yes to Jesus. He said, Mark, I've never seen this before. He said, you're not like other, and he's saying you, and you're talking about the church. What he had seen was, you're not, not like the others. You accept everyone. 
yes, John, we accept everyone because God accepts everyone who come. That is the heart of God. He accepts anyone. And it doesn't matter what your past is. He'll accept anyone who would come to him. And the following Saturday after that, as we knelt to pray, because what we do before we begin our, our meeting, uh, we, as a team, we kneel on the ground on the street. And it's just, again, surrendering ourselves before God, submitting ourselves, laying our lives on the altar before him and acknowledging that without his presence, nothing will happen. And as the team were doing this and we were quietly praying corporately, I felt someone kneel very quietly next to me and opened my eyes and it was John who came and joined us. And so it's, it's, it's a journey of revelation of you know, his, his love for us. Is, is un, the understanding is unfathomable. It is so deep that we can't, but he can just, he, he reveals more and more of this love. But his love, his love takes us to people who are far away from him, takes us to places sometimes we don't want to go. And his love will draw us there. Yeah. And um, I think that that's what impressed me so much about the, the ministry, Mark, is the fact that it's an overflow of love. Yeah. You know, we can, you know, you, you're, you're the same. You're entrepreneurial. You can create, make things happen. You know, that's, yeah. I think most pastors need to be entrepreneurial to make things happen. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, course. Um, but, and you can do programs and you can, like you say, you can draw the, the people in, you can have a meeting and, but, but love doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily present in a lot of those things. Yeah. You know, God is great and, and good and he will show up quite often and just presence himself there because he wants to touch people's hearts. Yeah, yeah. But I love the fact that that healing in the streets is an overflow of love. Yeah. That that to me is is what's significant about it. It's not a program, it's not a an idea that, that the entrepreneurial evangelist dreamt up, but you went through this six and a half year process. And mm. then God gave you the, That's right. the vision, the, the plans, whatever, you know. And he's continued to say, look at my love. Look at how deep my love goes. Yeah. That's incredible revelation, yeah. you know, it to is. walk in. Not just to receive, but to walk in that, you know. Yeah. Incredible, Mark. I, because I've seen, you know, the ugly side of, of ministry that, that we can, you know, and sometimes in... We, we sometimes have good intentions, but actually we don't realize sometimes our motivation is not right. And maybe uh, the way that we do things lack, lack wisdom and, we, and lack, lack love. And I've seen the harsh side of ministry and the ugly side of it. And it's, um, so, you know, we, we have to respect people when we pray for them. So we always ask permission if we can lay a hand on them. We don't just, you know, slap your hand any way you want there's no way you, you always ask permission to pray for them if you can lay your hands on because and, and in this particular model because there's seven different ways you can minister healing but in this particular model it's laying on of hands which i don't like that term i prefer touch and um and words of command but but one of the things again that i teach very clearly is that before you actually pray for the person you must tell them and this is it in a nutshell this is what you must say to him with your eyes open that God loves you with all of his heart and your life is precious to God. And in some way you, you are conveying God's love 
to that person before you pray because also whether they're healed or not they must know that god loves them yeah um because i've seen and, and i do that purposely so that we come to the place where we realize for god so loved the world that god loves this person that's in front of you mm-hmm. no matter how angry they are at you you know you don't want to engage in in, in an argument no matter how angry they are at you no matter how much they're spitting and cursing you that God loves this, this person. Whilst we were enemies of God, you know, that Jesus died for us and, and, and that we realize that, that these people just, they just don't know. They just don't know. And, and, um, but spirit calls to spirit, deep calls to deep and love has a way of communicating. I, I love it that we have seen many, many, and here's a great thing, John. And this is a, this is a wonderful thing that I've seen that I say to people, so before you begin to minister, tell them in whatever way God is putting in your heart, try and communicate his love to them. Mm. Try and communicate his love towards them. And what we've seen, we've seen people healed at the moment that they begin to get the revelation of God's love towards them. We've seen people delivered. I mean, on the streets, just by being told that God loves them. Uh-huh. It's, it's amazing it's an, it's an amazing thing it's people need to hear god's love you need to hear about god's love need to know god's love and um i think that's one of the things i notice in, in the current climate especially that lots of people lots of organizations not not believing not christians not religious at all but the, but what they're talking about is that there needs to be more love yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I'm hearing everywhere that I see online and, and the things that I connect with on Twitter and everything else that people are speaking about the need for more love. And I love that that's the, the central element really of, of what you're doing, that it's an expression of love. It is. But not a ministry, not a, a, an activity, but an expression of love, an overflow of that love. It I, is. I, I really, you know, that, that is what impressed most upon me, Mark. Yeah. yeah and that's why I love doing it. That's why I love, you know, everywhere I go, I just see the fruitfulness of, of this ministry. And, uh, and people are saying to me now, you know, my, the teams that, that haven't been able to go out because of the, the pandemic. Um, Mark, we, we just, we're missing being out in the streets. We, we long to go out again. We can't wait to go out again when, when yeah. this is over, you know. Oh. Yeah. So how, how has the whole pandemic thing affected that for you, Mark? I mean, are you, are you able to touch people's lives in different ways or, so or do you find it quite restricting? It, it is. It has been restricting because it means, you know, that this ministry means you have to... Uh, the Healing on the Streets ministry is about, is about intimacy and touch. And those things are like a total opposite to, to what it, the social distancing and the pandemic, the rules that have been brought in mm. because you can't be close to a person. It's not, you can't be close. We can't be intimate in, in when we pray, we can't um, uh, touch. So, mm. so it's restrictive in that way. Although you don't have to do that. We don't, and you don't need to, to have to touch a person to be able to minister healing to them. But it's, it is a beautiful way of conveying, touch is a beautiful way of conveying God's love and compassion. Um, 
but so what so what we have been doing what i have been doing and actually god has been speaks to me more about about more video you know being on on video and um being on film and doing this kind of this kind of work here and preparing me for it because as i said to you before and you know that i kind of run from being in front of a camera i i, I hate being in front of a camera and you know um such a uh, handsome guy like you as well I just <laughs> but i just you know i kind of i kind of run from it but you know the thing is that that uh uh but the lord's preparing me so you've got to do it this this is coming Mm. So I start to prepare and the Lord's given me more and more things to do. So I've, I've actually done some online conferences. Huh? Um, I've actually done some, some recordings for TBN, eight recordings for TBN, which are coming out in January, beginning, I think, 5th or 6th of January. Oh. Um, Is that T TBN, did you say? TBN, TBN UK. Um, so TBN, TBN UK presents... I think it's the, I think it's either the 5th or the 6th of January when it will come out. So uh, you can look out for that. There's eight, eight talks that I did there. Wow. Um, so a lot of, a lot of stuff that, that will be going online. So yeah. I've, I've done some conferences, I've done some interviews, zoom calls, and now we, um, and trying to think about how to, to still provide a ministry for those outside the building. Mm. Um, I, we came up with HOTS. There's, there's healing on the streets, HOTS. And now we have HOTS healing on the Zoom. <laughs> so so we, we now have every Saturday, we have healing on the Zoom where you can connect to, um, you know, through the, through the link that we provide yeah. every Saturday between 11 and 12 the, the door the, the the waiting room doors are open between 11 and 12 because i can't keep those doors open indefinitely yeah but for 11 and 12 but then whoever is in in the waiting room doors between 11 and 12 we will pray for however long that's going to take wow and so um people people come into that they come into a waiting room we transfer them into the main room i oh. welcome them transfer them to a private room where two or three of the team will pray for them in complete oh. privacy. So it's a healing on the streets kind of um, set up still the same values that we have in healing on the streets in a way of ministry, awesome. except we can't, we, we don't lay hands on people, yeah. but we're seeing amazing things happening already, you know, Fantastic. So we've, we're making that provision, but obviously are you, we are want you finding to that's most of the believers coming in Mark or, or a mixture. So uh, at the moment, at the, we're still kind of early days in this and the word needs to get out. But what we're encouraging people to do, what we want people to do is if you know someone who's sick, just send them the link. Yeah. We want to reach, you know, this, this is the only way this will work is, is through um, the, the links getting out to the right people and people being able to see it. Where do people find the link, Mark? Well, at the moment, because we, because when we started this, we, we, did, we um, didn't want to be inundated with people. Because, sure. you know, you, know we, you, you said to me earlier about what happens if you have several people on Zoom. Well, I, I've, actually been, I've actually been doing this. You know, I started off and, and uh, multitasking. I can do it now. So I, know, I actually know 
how this thing works. I know how Zoom works. I know how to make breakout rooms. I know how to transfer people into those breakout rooms, transfer people to the waiting room, the main room, and then the breakout rooms. And I know what to do if anything goes haywire, you know. And so I've gone through every, every kind of possible <laughs> scenario. I've already experienced it. So what, we, so what, um, uh, what I did initially is I just advertised it on my Facebook page. So I, I have my own personal Facebook um, site. I have an FB uh, Facebook page, uh, my own personal one, because I had so many people on my, so I needed an extra page. And then I have the Healing on the Streets Facebook page as well. So those three. Now a CCV, Corsica's Vineyard, also is advertising um, this on, you know, they will advertise it on their social media as well. So it goes, goes on there, goes on Twitter. So the two places is, is there is Facebook and Twitter at the moment. Um, but we're, we're hoping that people will, will get the message, do you know someone who's sick? Yeah. Send them the link. I'm getting to come through. You know. awesome. Just because we, the listeners we have on, on the podcast, I mean, they're coming from America, Canada, Latin America, Europe, down under, India, you know. So we've got listeners from all over the world. So that's, yeah. really, that's fascinating to well, be able to say to well, them. The, the amazing thing about this is that we, we are ministering to people all over the world from yeah. far away as India. We've prayed for people from India to... Wow. South America to Europe, um, uh, oh. Philippines, awesome. Croatia. Just on Saturday, we had someone from Croatia. Wow, it's amazing! So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so how how do you see the future of this um, and getting the church outside the doors? Because that's really for you. Healing is just the vehicle to get them out of the doors, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, how how do you see the future of that progressing of of the the church beyond beyond walls, if you like? Yeah, well, I think you know, I think once once we're over this pandemic, um, it won't be the same. Things things have changed too too much, but it does mean that we have more opportunity to reach people. And one thing, one of the things that people have been starved of is touch, yeah. is physical contact. Yeah. There are people that need to be hugged. There are people that need, I mean, a healthy, healthy yeah. physical embrace, uh, physical contact. We need that face-to-face -face with people. We need that interaction and, you know, we need more, more, and it will happen. I believe there'll be such an opening. I think there'll be such an opening mm. for the, for the church um, to, to step out there. You know, there are more people uh, ordering Bibles right now through this pandemic. People, doing searches for like, what, how do you pray? You know, there are people who are searching. This is kind of focus their thoughts on, you know, that we are a mortality. We, we're, we're just, we're not, you know, immortal. We're just, so people are thinking about these things and uh, when everything is taken away from them, they have nothing they can, there's no security in anything. Uh, people are beginning to look to God. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have an incredible opportunity to, to share God's love with people wherever we go, whenever we step out, to share Jesus, to share life with people around, you know, that, that our neighbors, people who um, are in our world, in our circle. We need, we need to step out and, and begin to reach them and, and pray for them and, um, you know, share the Jesus we know with them. And that's the thing, isn't it? Although you have the model of, of going to the public marketplace, if you like, but this is something people can do with their neighbours, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, if, to, to be able to, to say, I know you're struggling. Uh, I just, I, I, you know, I just know that God loves you and, and I feel that love for you myself. And, you know, can I pray for it? Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Yeah. You know. In fact, one of the, John, one of the easiest things to do is when you see a need and if it's, if it's uh, a physical need or something, something that you could, an opportunity for you to pray for a person is to ask them if you could pray for them. It's one of the people are so open for you to be able to pray. And it's amazing that when you pray and if you pray of conviction, you know, and pray from your heart, that God is communicating uh, something of his heart to that person. Deep calls to deeper spirit calls to spirit. And if you pray that prayer with love and if you pray it with compassion, if you pray, um, with, with sincerity, you pray what, what I would term your best prayer. That every time you, you get you have the opportunity to pray for someone, you're going to pray your best prayer for them. And people would say, Mark, what do you mean by your best prayer? It's the prayer that comes from the very bottom of your heart. Mm. You know, it's not, not something you're praying that's just falling off your lips and you're yeah. kind of daydreaming, you're gazing over there and you're totally disconnected. You know, you, that kind of disconnection, it's yeah. like a, just kind of coming off your but something you go, God, you love this person. Here's my opportunity. This may be my only opportunity to, to, to do something for this person, but I can pray for them. And so I'm going to pray my best prayer. And God, I know you love them so much. So Father God, you love this person so much. And I'm praying, you know, so Lord, is there anything you want me to say to them? Mm. Is there anything you want me to, sh- to show them? Is there anything you want me to do for them? And as you're praying from a heart that is overflowing with love, this is the, this is the best way the gifts of the spirit flow. You may, you may know nothing about, about prophecy, words of knowledge, the gifts of the spirit, not taught one thing about the gifts of the spirit. But I want to tell you that when, if you're following Jesus and you pray for someone and your prayers are coming as an overflow of the heart that is full of love for God, towards this person all the gifts will flow you don't have to put a label on it they'll be blown away so how do you know that about me you know you prayed about this why did you pray about that you know that's exactly what's going on in my life and and sometimes you you're the one who's clueless but actually god is god is working through you and you have no idea the impact that that prayer is going to have on a person and will will arouse a curiosity You'll awaken something within them. They've tasted, they've seen, they smelt the fragrance of Jesus. They're being compelled, they're being drawn to him. And this is how we, we, we love people and we pray for them. We do whatever we can for them, you know, simple things, little things, do little things and take the opportunity. And, and if we do that every time, and if you say, Holy Spirit, show me, 
show me what I can do. What must I do, Lord? I, you know, when you feel the tugging, the little tug that goes there, you go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's a little nudge. And it's a knowing in your knower, you know. You, a little quickening. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's a little quickening. It's a knowing in your knower. Go, okay, I've got, to, right, I've, I've got to do this. So make the decision. When God speaks to you, my, my, thing, my thing has always been like this, you know. Um, I, I've, I've always called myself a reluctant follower of Jesus. That's what I've called. Because the Lord, the Lord say, Mark, go and do that. And my, without thinking, I go, no <laughs> right my na- my my natural reaction is no but but what i've learned to do within a minute and don't give it in longer than within a minute but within 30, 30 seconds i go okay lord i'll do it but then i've got to think about how i'm going to do it right but what i'm saying is yeah. you, you've got to make the decision to do it really quick when god speaks to you say okay lord learn to say to say yes not no, no, no don't debate it too long <laughs> Don't debate it too long. Not longer than a minute. 30 seconds. Within 30 seconds, go, okay, Lord. But then you can think, take a bit longer to think how you're going to do it. But make, make the decision that you're going to do it within 30 seconds. But then you can take a little bit longer about how you're going to do it. Have some wisdom. Need, I need wisdom. Right, Lord, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to do this? And it may be totally awkward. If it's go, okay, well, this is the only way. And it's totally awkward. It is totally the timing doesn't seem good, but this is the only time, then do it. And um, I love what Alan Scott used to uh, coin a phrase. He said, the, the, the awesome is in the awkward. And I totally agree. It is, you know, God. So just step out. My, my thing is, to, what I see is that Christians are going to step out of boldness because here is the opportunity. We need to take the opportunity to 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 step out people are going to be more open i believe and yeah. and friendlier towards us and and if you and if through this pandemic you know you've been ministering working you know um helping the community um i think i think our community are going to be more open to to stop and listen to us that's awesome wow those are good words to finish with, man. Mark, thank you so much. It's been a, a real joy and pleasure to, to speak with you, to to have you share with the people who are listening. Um, and selfishly, it was just great to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> you too, John. It's good to see you too.